You're listening to the Pucks and Nucks Podcast with Matt and Dan. Burrows now looking for a stretch pass and he finds Henrik Sedin. Here comes Daniel. Henrik right in for Daniel. He scores! And the Calder Memorial Trophy goes to Elias Patterson. Brock Besser is the real deal. He is the future of this organization. Please make some noise and welcome the 14th captain of your Vancouver Canucks. Hall of Fame, and now your number 10 is retired forever. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 8 of Pucks and Nuts. As always, it's Matt and Dan here. Uh, but th- for the first time, we're actually together. We're in the same room recording. We're going to go into our mailbox. We're also going to do a third man in who is also going to be joining us. We are, of course, practicing social distancing. We are six feet apart, but it's just really cool that we are together and doing this in person rather than over the phone. But uh, without further ado, I'm going to send it over to Dan for our third man in. Yeah, today's third man in is uh, SFU head coach Mark Coletta. Mark, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. You, uh, you won Coach of the Year this season. Congrats on that. Uh, it was your fourth time receiving the award. Uh, congrats, huge congrats for me and Matt. Yeah, no, thank you again. Yeah, it was, it was good. It's always a, a, a cool thing to win. Um, and obviously, you don't, you don't win it on your own. It's a, it's a team thing, an organization thing, that's for sure. Yeah, how's, uh, how's quarantine been for you with your, uh, your family, your family of four there? Uh, it's been okay. I mean, the kids get, you know, a little restless and a little squirrely. Um, you know, homeschooling is always fun. Um, uh, my wife's happened uh, to be working from home as well. So that's, you know, there's two of us. Um, so it's basically a 2v2. Um, so, you know, the kids don't get too out of hand. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's challenging, but, you know, you make you make do with what you got and it's good family time and, you know, you're you're helping the kids with their schoolwork and it's kind of, it's cool to kind of see what they're, what they're doing in a, in a classroom setting, which you probably wouldn't see because we're, you know, as parents, you don't get to go into the class and see how the kids learn and what kind of new stuff they're learning. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's been fun. It's obviously, you know, um, a challenging time and a different time right now in society, but Hey, we live with it and uh, hopefully we come out of it on, on the other side better. Yeah, like you said, this is uh this is definitely a challenge for all of us. Um, going back to hockey now, you guys ha- had a good run. Uh, you guys were going pretty deep into playoffs before this whole shutdown. Uh, how did the locker room uh, take that news, and how are you guys going to carry over the mom- momentum you had this season into next season? Well, you know, I, I don't think the news was received well by a lot of people. Um, you know, from you know whether it's business or sports and. I think you, you sit in the middle somewhere sometimes just in general and you kind of look at it from uh, a perspective of safety first and making sure everybody's okay. And, and obviously our players are, um, you know, they were upset. We were on a good run. Um, I think, you know, with, with all due respect to Trinity, the defending champs, we were we were poised to, to make, make a deep run and, and maybe challenge them um, if we were, you know, fortunate enough to get by VIU in the first round. So um, our guys were definitely upset. They were... They, they they didn't really know how to react at first but I, I think you know they're, they're college athletes they're older um they get what what's going on um 
in life and in society in general, they're they're embarking on the real world. So I think they see that. Whereas I would imagine junior hockey players and and the younger kids that you know, my nephew was one of them who who didn't get to go to provincials for hockey. Those kids lose out, and, and I don't think they can really grasp the gravity of of the situation when it comes to the the COVID um, um, pandemic. So. Um, our guys definitely were devastated. Um, it sucked. I, I, we've chatted with them regularly, and, and we're going to try to to get some stuff in the summer here where we can uh, keep our keep our you know keep our heads above water and make sure we're staying in shape um, for next season. But um, keeping them motivated to to answer that question, I, I don't think they need any motivation. I think they they feel that something was taken away from them, um, and, and I think that that should fuel them enough. Um, we got a good recruiting class coming in, and and a good returning core, so. Um, you know, like I said, they're, they're pretty mature guys. They're, they're all college student athletes that, that are, that are, you know, like I said, using school and hockey as a platform to, to enter the next phase of their life. So they're, they're pretty good. Yeah. And, you know, talking on playoffs, this league that you, uh, the BCIHL has obviously overgone some change with teams coming in and out over the years and, you know, playoff formats changing. So how do you think you've been able to stay, you know, focused and successful through all that? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, really quickly, the league, when I first jumped on board, um, you know, eight, nine, ten years ago now, I guess, um, it was really, you know, um, how do you say, you know, and trying to say it in a nice way, it was really intramural slash, you know, the odd junior players would be on the team and we'd practice, you know, once or twice a week and, you know, you'd play in, you know, rinks like eight rinks or, or planet ice um, against, you know, uh, UFV, which is out of the Fraser Valley. Trinity was in the league and UVic at that time. So, you know, we, we had a serious chat, the group that I kind of got involved with um, and said, look, how do we make this more of a, a of a program that's, you know, going to attract good hockey players, that's going to attract good student athletes and, and build what, what I had experienced when I went to college in, in the U.S. as well. So we started practicing every day. We started recruiting junior players. We, we created some sort of a scholarship dinner. We, um, uh, we, we brought in some alumni that were willing to help us out on the financial side. We, you know, we started playing at the Bernie Winter Club for a bit and then moved to Copeland, um, practiced in the day like a varsity student athlete would. And, you know, fast forward to where we are now, you know, we're, we're, we're a full, you know, in my estimation, a pretty solid, um, you know, hockey team that could compete in the middle of the road, I would say, at the CIS level and in the middle of the road at the NCAA level, um, you know, and that's all without getting funded. So, um, you know, the school supports us in what we do, but they have, you know, um, a recreation divide with varsity sports and we fall in the middle and uh, we're okay with that. Um, and, and for right now, we'll continue to, 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 to swim in that pool, so to speak. And we'll continue to do what we're doing. So, yeah, if in eight, nine years, it's, it's gotten pretty big. Yeah, and also we looked into coaching has brought you and the team some cool exhibition games throughout the states and stuff. So uh, we're just wondering what were the major takeaways for yourself and the team from these trips and games? Yeah, no, I mean... Those are pretty cool, cool experiences for our guys, and I and I think the 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 big thing for us to to embark on these um, games against these schools was um, number one, you know, raising our profile, um, two, showing that we can compete right now as we as we are in our infant stages as a hockey program, 
um, to, to basically show to not only, you know, uh, the school and business people and Burnaby and, and just people that would be involved if you were to get to that next level that we're ready now. We're ready on day one with, with very limited resources. So, um, and then it's a recruiting tool for us too, right? I mean, when, you, when you're recruiting a player that's, you know, maybe going to go D3 down in the States um, or maybe going to play in a lower level CIS program in Canada, and we can say, look, you know, although we play in the BCHL, which is a small league provincially, we do play, you know, some NCAA competition. We travel to play uh, some, you know, uh, CIS teams. We we can use that as a, a recruiting tool for, for players that are maybe deciding whether they should come to SFU and play hockey. Educationally, they're coming to SFU because it's, it's a top-ranked school and it's fantastic to get an education from SFU and it's a beautiful place. Um, Burnaby, Vancouver. So we don't have any problem selling that. But selling the hockey is always a hard point for a 19, 20-year-old kid deciding, well, should I go here or should I go there, right? Yeah, and, you know, we talked about this the other day, how you guys got a chance uh, at UND. Troy Stetcher was on the team at the time. And uh, we were talking about the you guys had a shot against UND. It came down, you know, uh, one goal game down in the last 10 minutes. And uh, do you think that this is really going to, you know, help your team out in the regular season and going forward? Well, yeah, I mean, full disclosure and being transparent, we don't, we don't win those games when we play the NCAA teams. And, and in some cases, we take our lumps. But, you know, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we've had some success in the, the little victories part. I mean, playing a CIS team in UBC a bunch of years ago, we happened to win one of those games as well. And we, um, we, we feel we compete really well. And to your point about the North Dakota game, when we hosted that little showcase here a bunch of years ago, you know, we we were up three two, and that was a team full of NHL drafted players. I think they were nationally ranked team. I think um, they went to the Frozen Four the following year, I believe, or even that year, and then won it two years later. But yeah, I mean, our guys were, you know, they they played with emotion. They played, um, you know, out of their minds that day. We had some good goaltending, we, and we had a pretty good team in that in that one spell. Um, it does take a toll on you, though, and it does take a toll on our players when we do play those teams, even when we go play Alaska and, and we went to Providence and Northeastern a bunch of years ago, and this year we were at Holy Cross and Sacred Heart in Massachusetts. Um, those those guys in those environments, the Division One level, are used to, you know, a, a pretty strict regimen of, of Division One NCAA hockey where it's it starts in August with the off-ice workouts and, and it, it goes pretty heavy where because we're not at that varsity status our guys are practicing the same but just all those little things that add up to a division one program um, when you play them and compete against them you really see those little things matter Um, I would you know I I think I can honestly say if we were in that environment from for a full year our guys would be able to compete and, and do that on a regular basis but it's a good experience it's fun you get away and you get to play these teams and you see how they travel and do things I mean Obviously, North Dakota, I mean, I don't think money's a, an object for them. They travel like an NHL team. It's it's ridiculous how, how they treat their guys, and it's crazy. If I don't know if you've ever seen their rink on, online and their facility that they have. It's Again, it's better than some NHL facilities from what from what you hear people say. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a cool thing to play and rub shoulders with these guys. Yeah, and, you know, uh, one thing that me and Matt learned this year is about, uh, like, university. It's not easy, and, you know, you're learning now as a, as a parent – due to the crisis that you're, you know, what teaching is like. So, well, we're just curious how you stay on top of the guys academically uh, throughout the season. Well, the good thing is, um, 
personally, I, I lived it. So I, I did the, the collegiate thing and, and played college hockey and, and went to school. Uh, I did it away from home, so I, I really had no support staff from a family aspect, but besides the team um, when I was away. Um, no different than most junior players who go away, come home. But it's different when you get into college and you're in a college setting because the school is so high-end and, um, and, and so intense. And SFU is probably even more intense than the school I chose to go to. So um, the bottom line is we try to, to provide um, an academic uh, surrounding with our guys where they can get some tutoring if they need it. Uh, we'll provide tutoring for them down at the rink. We, we get some, some fellas from campus, whether they're TAs or just tutors that we can bring to the rink before practice and help guys. Most of our guys are, are pretty academically strong already. Um, and, and the good thing with SFU is to get a kid into school, he's already got to have a pretty high standard and good work ethic and good study habits already. So once he's in, you know, we don't really have to worry about them on that side. Um, and two, the academic standards at SFU are so high that when we get their report at each semester, we know right away where they're at and where they stand. And SFU will do their due diligence to make sure if they fall below a 2-0, they're on academic probation, and we'll know that. And so we have to seek the help. But for the most part, the kids do find it challenging. Um, we've had several kids over the years say, you know, Coach, I don't know if I could keep up and, and keep doing it and hockey and manage all those things. And, and you know, my advice to them is school's your, your most important thing right now. And, and if you have to make a decision, you know, school should be where you're at if that's your career path. So, um, and, and I think they understand that, you know, at the end of the day, that's what they're, they're striving for to get into the real world and they need that degree. Yeah, it's always good to see when your uh, coach is supportive like that. Uh, but one thing we've been wondering is you've been coaching for quite some time. So we're wondering if you could pick an NHL coach to resemble your coaching style and demeanor, who would that be? Oh, wow. Um, I don't know. I mean... I would say, you know, it's tough to to figure out what kind of coach you're like because you don't, you know, you, you kind of consider as a coach, I think coaches in general at any sport are very um, self-confident and, and self-aware and they believe in their own thoughts. So, you know, I mean, you kind of want to be, you know, I look at not only hockey coaches if I can, but I, you kind of look at, you know, football coaches in the NFL and, and soccer coaches in the English Premier League or wherever. And, you know, you kind of you kind of take parts from every coach. You know, I, I kind of like, you know, me personally, even though I'm not a Steeler fan, I like Tomlin when he speaks. I think he speaks well. He speaks in the in the now. I mean, he you can sense there's a relation to NFL players that are in his locker room because he's at their level when it comes to just knowing what's 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 up what's now what's happening and he doesn't seem like a relic i think um in hockey i, I think travis green's done a good job um you know i do like uh, um you know i i believe it or not you know you know i did like the way babcock carried himself in press conferences i know there's a whole other animal in conversation about those kind of coaches but when he spoke he was always pretty honest and deliberate and to the point. Um, you know, I would say Simon Cowell would be a great coach because he's honest and he's to the point. And for me, um, if you sugarcoat things or lie to players, especially 20-year-old kids um, in today's day and age, they see right through you, and they don't want to hear that. I think they much rather say, 
or hear a coach say, look, you're not good enough because of this, or you're good enough and keep doing this instead of saying, keep working hard and you'll get your chance. The bottom line is that doesn't work in society and it doesn't work in sports and, and our sport, especially if you work hard and you're just not as good as the next guy, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? You just, you just don't get to go where you got to get to go. You have to have that skill set eventually to be in a position to be on the power play or, or what have you. So, um, yeah, NHL coaches, yeah, uh, you know, and obviously we always, as Canuck fans, always love Pat Quinn. And, uh, you know, I thought AV was good too. I, I, I did. I, I, I liked the way they – but, yeah, I, I kind of watched the NFL for how coaches handle themselves. Um, I just think it's, it's, it's a different animal, obviously. Um, it, it's, it's on a lot, and, and NFL's kind of a, a hot thing in sports every week, that's for sure. Yeah, no, speaking on Tomlin, he, uh, you know, everyone thought that and that he didn't do well handling the whole Antonio Brown on his team situation, but you clearly, uh, you clearly saw that he did, he did quite well. I know we're diving off topic here, but you're, yeah. a, you're a Cowboys fan, so you, you clearly pay attention to the NFL, yeah, so, yeah. um, yeah, no, so that, that's good to hear that you compare yourself to a guy that, you know, I see highly as well, so, um, but we, uh, we took, we did a little bit of research and we dived into your, uh, elite prospects page. And we saw you, uh, you play junior in Richmond, and uh, you went over to University of New York. Um, but one thing that really stood out was we saw you had one professional game for uh, Italian Club Asiago. Could you uh, touch on how that came about? Yeah, I mean, everybody's path is different and in, 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 in where they get to and where they play. And, you know, it, it was I was fortunate enough to play, you know, growing up at the Burnham Winter Club and, and, and then went on to uh, play prep school hockey in New Hampshire. And I came back, and this was before prep school hockey was kind of in vogue, right? You know, the Shattucks and some of these places. So I went, you know, 94, 95. I was in, in Kimball Union in New Hampshire, came home, played junior, played with the Royal City Outlaws for a year in the BCHU, BCHL, and then Richmond Sockeyes for a bunch of years. Um, and then some of the coaches that I knew from when I was at uh, prep school in New Hampshire kind of knew I was, I was still playing junior, um, some of my ex-teammates happened to go to Plattsburgh in New York. And, you know, you you kind of wage, you know, a war in your own head. Should I jump ship again? I've been home for so long. Should I just leave? And you, your goal was always to play college hockey, um, Division One or Division Three. For me at that time, you know, obviously I wasn't getting Division One, So, okay, let's go D3. Um, and, um, you know, had a great time and met some so many good people and, um you know, had a, had a great four years there and we won a national title and, you know, just got to see and meet and, and do things and got, got a history degree with a sociology minor. So I actually, you know, did, did school. I just didn't go there to, uh, you know, as, as they say about hockey players, underwater fire prevention. So I was, <laughs> I was doing, I was doing actual courses and, you know, I, I enjoy history. So I, I actually went to those classes and, 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 and enjoyed them. And, um, yeah, and, and from there, you know, the pro ambitions there, and I had my Italian passport, so, you know, nothing was really jumping off the page. So I went to Austin, actually, to play a little bit for about a month and, and a bit. I was in Austin and played a game there, an exhibition game, um, and then came home because I got released, and the Italian option was always there. I mean, I, I guess hindsight's twenty twenty. Maybe if I would have went when I was younger, I would have stuck it out longer, but at the time I was 25, I got to Italy, <clears throat> you know, I, I played a game, you know, there was some things about the rules that they couldn't take me and they wanted to bring me um, to France on loan and then bring me back the following year. And, you know, sometimes you're just exhausted and you're just like, you know what, you know, I came to play here, 
you know, I'm being stubborn, I guess. I said, you know, maybe I'll just go home. And, hey, it was great. It, it was fun. Um, it was a cool spot to be in. Um, the pro hockey game, whether it's at the highest level or, or just the minors, is, is a grind. And, you know, I, I saw some guys in there that, you know, even the little bit of time, the month I was in Italy and, and Texas even, you know, there was guys that have been in, in those leagues for seven, eight years, you know, just making minimum wage and playing hockey because they love the game. And, you know, a lot of those guys don't have an education to fall on. But um, it was great. It was a great experience. And, um, you know, it, it was fun. That's for sure. Yeah. So like you touched on, uh, you've obviously been around hockey for what seems like most of your life. Um could you maybe give us some of your best and maybe some of your craziest memories from your time in the sport? Um, yeah, I mean, some of them, some of them, probably most of them PG. I'm sure there's a bunch of stories that, you know, maybe you wouldn't be able to say, you wouldn't be able to say on, on a podcast or even just in, in a public setting. Um, but I mean, it's, it's like, Hey, look, um, you know, my wife, played played soccer at SFU and was a professional soccer player for the white women's white caps and played in Colorado. I'm a hockey guy, played a little bit, you know, I can't, I don't say I played pro. I, I had a taste of a couple of games in a month, so, uh, some different teams, but played college and, and junior. Um, I think there's no shame in, in, in saying girls will be girls and boys will be boys when, when they're playing college sports or, or pro sports. And I think it's, they're one and the same. You're an athlete and, you know, crazy stories happen all the time. Um, but, you know, most of those memories are, are, are winning, you know, especially my time at Plattsburgh. You know, we, we went to three, three, you know, final fours. Um, we won one of the years, the, the guys we met, um, and, the, and I hung out with like four or five of the guys. Three of the guys were in my wedding party. Um, you meet lifelong friends. I think those things for me are the most important takeaways and memories of, of, of stuff like that, you know. Um, you know the 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 silly stuff that you do as a, as hockey guys and and the bantering and you know going on road trips after the season's over and you know hanging out with the guys and you know we had a hockey house where we were my senior year and it was uh, yeah it was you know as soon as the season ended it was nonstop it's 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 you know I I don't know if I could pick one moment but it's 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 almost like you know when you're in that college setting in the U S and 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 I'm sure this is goes for everybody that's been to school there. It's it's like what you see in the movies, um, you know. There's, you know, when you know. I know beer pong's a big thing, and and when I say there, you could find a beer pong game at any day of the week, at any time of the night. You probably could, um, in these in these college towns. It's 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 definitely something that, um, yeah, you could probably make millions of movies of some of the stupid stuff that goes on. And um, yeah, I mean, probably one of the best stories was a, a guy did a keg dive out of, out of a window. We, the guys caught him, put him into a keg stand right off, right out of the the bathroom window at our house. And I think I have video of it somewhere, but um, it's VHS, so I, I would have to get it transferred. But yeah, he, he, I think he was a lacrosse player for the for Plattsburgh, and lacrosse players and hockey players hung out obviously, and we had a we had a barbecue, and yeah, it was, I, I haven't, yeah, I didn't didn't really see many of those, but yeah, it happened. Yeah, no, I think uh, from what uh, my time in the sport, Matt, you know, has played hockey as well. And uh, I, I see it more on my football team than I have with my ball hockey teams. But just camaraderie is just, you know, it's at a whole nother level when you're playing a sport. And I don't think that's something you really, uh, you know, until, you know, it's something you don't get in the workplace or, you know, even at school, right? Unless, you know, you... Yeah, it's it's cool. Like I said, I mean, 
I see the way my wife hangs out with with her girls that they played at SFU with. It's like, you know, the band's back together whenever they're together, and it's no different with our guys. So, I, like I said, I mean, you have those those moments, and, and I think there's always a stigma attached with, oh, you know, athletes or men do it more. I mean, it's... It, you're having fun. You're 19, 20. You're doing... It, it, as long as you don't cross that line and, you, and you're doing stuff that's, you know... It, they're kids i think kids in general just you know have to learn and live and learn again as long as you're you're not an idiot um you can have fun and, and get an education and, and enjoy those times like i said there's college hockey was for us my experience there and, and hockey was awesome you know it, it was good minor hockey to your point about good memories I mean, playing minor hockey going to tournaments with your parents and you know to penticton or all those little tournaments as a kid those are the things you remember and you know i'm fortunate enough now my kids are in sports so Hopefully they can have some times like that as well. Yeah, and um, you know during this hiatus, probably the, the worst time to start a podcast, but we did. So things we've been talking about just been um, the NHL returning, uh, the Canucks is, you know, salary cap hell and other things. So if you don't mind us asking, you know, what do you think's uh, on the NHL returning? There was a little bit of a 2014 playoff format being, you know, uh, circled around the news the other day, and just like the odds of it all, you know, being able to happen and come together in a smooth operation. Yeah, I mean, I think anything right now would be good for just boost the morale of people in general. I mean, whether it's, you know, watching the German soccer today with no fans, and to me it doesn't matter, it's a live sport. Um, I don't follow German soccer that much, but obviously the Canadian Davies was playing, so I watched. Um, the, the no fans doesn't really bother me, to be honest. Um, but yeah, the hockey, the hockey thing, I mean, you know, I read... Yeah, the 24 team, they, they were debating maybe 22, and that would leave Montreal and Chicago out if they went to 22. Yeah, you're going to have all your, your skeptics say, oh, it's a COVID cup, it's not really the real cup, and, you know, a team got hot and just happened to win after two months off and this and that. But, you know, it, it, if it starts and everybody's bought into what's going on and the players are okay with it and, and the ownership is okay with it and, it and it makes sense and it's safe for the players to come back and, and it's safe for them to do what they want to do, then yeah, let's get it done. Let's see what happens. And, you know, maybe, you know, maybe uh, you do find a team that, you know, rides a hot wave and, and happens to win when they shouldn't. But if you look at the standings, there's probably 16 of those 20 teams that have a shot anyways. The NHL playoffs has always been, you know, a crazy, you know, a crazy um, sport in the sense that you know you have to win a bunch of games. There's a, there's a grind, right? I mean, Vegas was an expansion team and went to the final. St. Louis was last place last January and won the cup. So to say, well, a team now could get hot. Well, what's any different from a regular season where a team was in last place and got hot and won the cup? So um, yeah, I mean, you're always going to have your your guys wanting to poke holes into every idea, but if they can get it done. Uh, well, I'm, I'm sure everybody will watch. Yeah, like you touched on, there's a lot of teams that are close. I mean, obviously here we have the Canucks, but also you look at the Rangers and the Islanders, too, are two teams that are close. Uh, we were wondering if maybe, if possible, you could pick a cup winner. And also another hot topic has been the rookie of the year. Could you maybe give us uh, a choice for that as well? Well, yeah, I mean, um, picking a cup winner, I mean, obviously, you know, your heart will say you want the Canucks to win. And sure, can they can they win? They were playing well and, and they got some young talent and probably guys who can burn for two months hard and not worry about getting fatigued um so yeah the canucks i, I would say have a shot 
Um, you know, I, I think obviously your your usual suspects with with Washington and Boston and, and the Eastern teams, uh, you know, um, could probably jump in there. I, I I was an Islander fan growing up as a kid, so I always kind of default to them as my favorite team besides obviously the hometown team, the Canucks. And you never know; it would be nice to see them get in. Um, but yeah, I, I would say you know, you know, Pittsburgh and, and Washington have that pedigree to, to win. Boston was the, the best team going in. Tampa Bay. I mean, again, I think that's the unknown with the NHL. It's so, it's so up in the air with teams that are so good. But um, you know, what the hell? It's uh, I'll, I'll say the Canucks for sure would uh, would win. I'll, I'll put my I'll put twenty bucks on it. That's our second guest now to say that the the Canucks will win the so-called COVID Cup or this year. Uh, very Vancouver thing to say, nonetheless. But I mean, I think that uh, you know we're going to talk about the Canucks right now. Obviously, we're pucks and nucks. It'd be shameful if we didn't. But uh, you know, I think uh, you know with this cap space hell going on, and um, you know a lot of young guns that need big contracts coming up. Like, what do you, what do you see for this team like five years down for the road from now? Well, I, I mean, obviously, that's why. You know the GM and the cap guy that they hire is um, getting paid the big bucks, and, and it's way above the pay grade of probably the coaching staff and whoever. And they've got to figure that out. They're the numbers guys, and they've got to make it work. Um, you know, they've they've got a real good forward group, in my opinion. Um, you know, I, I think it's underrated to be honest. Uh, I think you know they got three lines that can really play. The goaltending was hot, and Markstrom has proven everybody that he is he is a solid number one. Um, the defensive core, you know, you know, does it need some work or, you know, some more whatever you want to terminology you want to use as a coach. And obviously, you know, um, you have you have some some horses there, but is it solid enough to 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 be a, a backbone, um, not only to win a cup, but to do two or three years in a row, kind of what Chicago did a bunch of years ago with with Seabrook and Keith and Jalmerson. Like, do you have horses like that that can do obviously Hughes is you know the probably one of the best defensemen in in the league and he's probably going to win the rookie of the year if I had to pick I mean him and McCarr are, are definitely tight um you know um to 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 the point of you know talking about players just in general you you watch Hughes play I think the the most uh, in, impressive thing about him is not only how he plays with his size and, and he's a smaller elite skating defenseman. It's his escapability. Like he'll have the puck and he'll be, you know, in traffic coming up the ice and, and it's just, you know, a tight turn or, or, or pivot out of, out of traffic. And, and he gives himself space and within three steps or three transition steps, there's not, there's an, he's created five, five feet of space from, from where a guy was right a stick length away. Um, I, I have the big 10 network at home. And so I've been watching, college hockey a lot and, and I've been watching Michigan you know a friend of mine went to Michigan and I've always liked Michigan so um whenever Michigan's on I've watched and, and and Hughes for two years the Michigan games were on and I and I had been saying this kid's pretty pretty damn good and sure enough he ends up with the Canucks so um you know I, I it's, a, it's a joy to watch you know I, I think again I think he's a front runner for that in my opinion um and and to be an undersized defenseman is impressive too because you know the league is definitely big and, and everybody can skate now so he's he's a little bit small and, and but he's getting by and he's doing what he's doing so it's pretty impressive uh you know obviously like we touched on that top nine is uh is has been rolling since um 
I, I would think whole year, JT Miller's obviously playing great. Uh, but with, you know, with the Toffoli addition, I think it really put it over the top. So what are your off-season priorities for this team if you were, you know, you were the man in charge? Well, I think, you know, sometimes, sometimes you always, you know, want to put all your focus on the people who score and are the top of the list. And obviously, you know, Pedersen and Horvat and Miller are scoring the goals and are going to be your go-to guys. Um, and Toffoli should fall in there somewhere. How, you know, can you keep them all? I don't know. But, you know, at the end of the day, Horvat's that kind of, you know, I think could be that Taves to Chicago's group where Kane was the flash and the goal and, and, and just that kind of bite that Pedersen's going to bring. And maybe even if, if once Besser gets healthy again and, and can start scoring, you know, where, where Taves goes under the radar, he's, he's quiet, he's, he's that emotional leader, and he does all those good things well. I think Horvat could play that role, and I think you have that dynamic where you have that leader, and he seems like a strong, silent type, you know, and, and he carries a respect about him, even just the way he talks in an interview. You can always judge a, a player, and to that matter, a coach, when, when they speak in front of a camera and how they speak. And Horvat, to me, plays that to a T. He's, he's very, very, very ready, I think. Um, and people can say, well, he's not going to get 50 goals and he's not going to be Pavel Bure or the Sedin's got 100 points. Will we'll we'll, we'll Horvat ever get 100 points and blah, blah, blah. But I think being a leader and carrying a room and, and having people follow you into, into battle, having people want to to play for you and with you. I think Horvat's that guy. And to me, he's, you know, I think that's, that's, that's a pretty good quality to have in, in a young man. That's for sure. Um, just one more question. Uh, you touched on Horvat there being a leader and being good in interviews. Do you feel that part of that comes from having those few years of experience watching Daniel and Henrik Sedin and seeing how they interact with the media and really took control of the room on and off the ice? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll say that. I just think, you know, and this might be, you know, I don't know who, I don't know, maybe I, I'm just that way. I'll say it. I'll speak off the cuff, you know, and this, this you know, whoever's listening can can say I'm wrong or right. I think it's upbringing. I think it's parenting. I don't think the Sedins really had anything to do with it, you know, if you want me to come right out and say it. Sure, the Sedins were great, and they did what they did, and if you're a young guy watching how they conduct business, for sure, but if you don't have that upbringing from your childhood or your parents or how you were brought up, then it doesn't matter because that's instilled in you from when you were a kid. That's instilled from you when you were, you know, a teenager. And to say Horvat kind of learned that just for the Sedins would be a, a knock on him. I mean, he has that inside of him to do it and, and carry himself the way he does. And like I said, I mean, I, I think it's, you know, you can, like I said, get a good judge. This is why I think you start hearing all these stories over the last years of the NFL draft and the NHL draft now. They do interviews with the players before they go to the draft. And, and a lot of the question is about family and about who their parents were and what they did and coaches and junior coaches. And they're getting so much information on these kids now that they already know who the goofballs are and who the idiots are and who the, the straight and narrow guys are. And maybe they're, they're guys who are way too serious that, that then they can't bend the other way to enable themselves to be good at the pro level. But I do get into your question. I think Horvat was, was already there. I think he already has that in him. Um, and again, I, I look at it as a, an upbringing thing um, and his, just his nature. And then obviously his nature allowed him to learn from the Sedins and how they conducted business, which 
which is probably the two two of the best guys to learn from. For sure. You know, before we wrap things up here uh, and wish you luck on next season, we're we're kind of curious what is next season looking like. You know, have you heard anything from the league or those above you? Well, I mean, we've heard conflicting stories from some juniors, junior coaches, and and junior leagues, uh, minor hockey. You know, our league. I've, I've talked to some NCAA coaches on what they're going to do. You know, I think the worst thing we can do is assume. Um, you know, you know what they say about assuming something. You just, you know, just making an ass out of you and me. Um, but speculation and, and telling the guys be ready here and be ready there when Hockey Canada hasn't told us what we can do and the provincial government hasn't to, would just be stuff that we don't control. And as a coach. I like to use the, you know, control what you can control. You can never control the refs. If they make a call, they made a call. You got to be able to, you know, uh, clear the mechanism, get back out there and refocus and reset um, for this as well. We have to wait until we're told what we can do and then we'll figure out. We can put plans in place and make sure our guys are working off off the ice and getting, um, making sure they're staying in shape, making sure they're prepared, um, uh, make sure that their grades are where they need to be. And then once we get that information, we can dive into what we have to do because riling up our kids to say, hey, we're going to play in September and then we don't play deflates them. Oh, we got to play in October. And then we don't play. It deflates them. Right. And the last thing we want to do to these guys is get them in an atmosphere where they're already morally beat up because they lost out on last season. And now they're being told every day gets pushed back or whatever. So we've been honest with our guys and say, look, right now, we don't know what we can do. Here's your offseason workouts. When we hear, we'll let you know um, and, and just stay healthy and stay safe and, and enjoy the time with your family and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you're obviously a coach, so, you know, not, not too high, not too low. Control the controllables as always. We're, we're all STM grads here, right? Class of, uh, class of 2019 over here, and you're uh, class of uh, 2010, right? 94, 94, 94. I'm, I'm proud to say yeah. 94. So I, I heard a little Bernie Cully in you inside when you said, you know, control the controllables. Yeah, me and Bernie uh, graduated together. We were uh, classmates for five years. You know, we were in homerooms together. For many of those years, and we we, we were we were friends. Uh, I, I, you know, I remember hanging out with him to to these days. And in class, he was always very very particular on how he did his work. Uh, you know, and, and I think that showed when he took over the football program as well from Coach Steele and, and how he conducted business. Bernie was a class class guy. Um, he you know he never you know Bernie's one of those guys. I can honestly say I don't think he said a bad word about anybody ever, even when we were in high school. And I don't think even when I would go TOC there, because I did go yeah. do some substitute teaching there many years after I was done and Bernie was there and we, we sitting in the staff room. He wouldn't say anything about anybody. He was always just so nice. And so, again, he, he, he's just a, he was a, um, he's a class class guy. And it, it's it's a sad story what happened. And, and um you know, it's 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 crazy to think that young, you know, stuff happens to young people, and it's it's it's, uh, yeah, he was a, he's a good man. Yeah, no, um, tough story for sure, and tough tough loss for the community. But uh, you know, Mark, we'd like to thank you for coming on today. It was uh, uh, we appreciate you, you know, taking time out of your day to to join us and um, you know, give us your insight on what it's like to you know, uh, you know, coach a team in the in the the intercollegiate level and. Um, just your takes on hockey, of course, are a little higher than I think me and Matt's. So we uh, we appreciate you coming on. No, thanks for having me. I'd love to, to come back if you wanted me. Um, yeah, hopefully the hockey season will start and all sports will start. And 
uh, the Cowboys will win the Super Bowl. I don't know about that one, but uh, go Seahawks. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for joining us, Mark. Uh, have a good one. Thank you. So that was Mark Coletta, SFU's head coach of their uh, men's ice hockey team. We'd like to thank him for joining us once again. Um, just a, a great new uh, perspective for the podcast from a coaching point of view and, uh, you know, some great stories and um, just some great advice about, you know, what he sees in the Canucks. Um, I'm sure he knows a little bit more than we do. So it was uh, great to have him on. Yeah, that seems to be our theme with most of our guests is they always seem to know a little bit more than we do. But uh yeah, it's a great, great interview. Great interview with him, and uh, maybe we'll have to have him on again and get some more stories and some more stuff uh, coaching-wise from him, like what it's like to coach and all that. But uh, we'll move on now. Something the NHL announced. Uh, they, for what it seems like is going to happen, is it's going to be a 2014 playoff format. Uh, Dan, why don't you walk us through with how that's going to look like? Yeah, so from what I read, um, it sounds like they're going to do a round-robin game um, to de- between the you know the top NHL teams to determine seeding of, of, of this. But it sounds like it's going to go by conference, uh, a 1v12, 2v11, that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, this round-robin and some other prefer- proposed formats um could change a lot so i'm just trying to you know stay updated as much as i can but it seems like i don't know what you thought but i I felt like yesterday especially i saw like four to five articles and they all said different things so you know what does anyone know yeah i what i've seen is the top four teams are going to play against each other to determine the top four seeding and then there's going to be kind of i guess you could almost call it wild card games kind of how the nfl and mlb do it that'll determine like who plays the who moves on to play the top four teams. So I think the way they had it laid out was Vancouver plays Minnesota and then the winner of that goes and plays like the two or three seed or one seed or whatever that seed ends up being. So from what I've heard is it's gonna be a those all those wild card games, let's call them, are gonna be best of three. And then I think it's gonna be best of or sorry best of five and then best of three or five and then best of seven i think on the rest of the way through like you said i've heard so many different things nobody really knows but i do like the idea of the 24 teams because like we've talked about earlier on in the show a few episodes ago it gives teams like the canucks and the islanders and the rangers and all those teams that were just kind of out that but probably could have made it in a chance to actually be in yeah, no, because I I personally believe it's too late to finish the regular season, the 12, 13 games, whatever's left. So I think you have to jump into playoffs, and the only fair way to do it is by including those teams that were you know could have made it with a few more games, uh, especially a team like the Canucks with games at hand. Um, but you know I I looked at um, if it just goes the one twelve two eleven thing, some good matchups would be uh, it was uh, the Canadians play Pittsburgh. Um, Oilers play the Jets and the Blackhawks play, oh God, who do the Blackhawks play? Another great, another great matchup. So I think this would bring a pretty cool, um, interesting new playoff format regardless. Yeah, I, I like it personally. I, um, honestly, I, I, I wouldn't be mad if the NHL changed to, to this because it kind of adds maybe minus the four round robin games where the top four teams play each other uh maybe like let's say you know they play the wild card games and then you already have your top four figured out from playing the whole regular season i wouldn't be mad because honestly it's i'm getting tired of seeing the same matchups every year you know i mean obviously yes it's great it brings like you know past history in like you know it builds up over years and years 
but also too like I mean it's time for something fresh you know you want to see teams that like everybody loves the story of St. Louis like I mean that was such the fact that they were dead last in the league at the end of January came back I think they were the eighth or seventh seed in the playoffs and went all the way to win the cup I mean if you can expand your playoffs to 24 teams and get that team on the bottom because the NHL playoffs I mean let's be honest everyone has a chance and if you can expand that to 24 teams 12 on each conference and give those bottom teams a chance I mean who knows what could happen it would be much more exciting I think I agree with you that it'll bring something different and um, they're due for some sort of change to freshen things up but I don't agree with having 12 teams in each conference because that's there's 15 to 16 teams in each conference, so that and there's, that means 24 teams in the playoffs out of 31, 32 to be when Seattle comes in. It means two-thirds of the league makes the playoffs. These guys go through a brutal 82-game regular season, which is, is pretty long, in my opinion. And uh, we've seen this in the NBA, that the regular season doesn't mean squat. Like, you know, you got guys that are taking uh, games off, Kawhi Leonard, um, you know, just guys needing rest. LeBron James did it a couple years ago in the playoffs, and you know he got shat on publicly for that. So I, I think that there's a different way. This year being an exception, yes, the 12, 12 teams is per conference is great, but going forward, I think you got to stay with your eight or even cut it down so that the season means more. Because if you if you're let in two thirds of the league, you could be an average team, and you know you know have a shot. So you so you would almost cut it down then to to what less than eight? I don't want to say cut it down because what do you what do you cut it down to? Because you got to stay with like you know like uh, divisional numbers, but but I just think you can't go bigger than eight because that it just it's too welcoming for um, you know to get into the playoffs. And if you're playing eighty two games, guys are going to give less of a shit if they know that like oh okay we can be a 500 team and you know sneak in at a decent spot and you know have still have a chance in the first round right and guys might start taking time off like they do in the NBA it's a huge topic is uh what are they what's the word they call it rest um i don't know i'm i'm drawing like a game blank management here. or whatever load like, management load management yeah so i i don't think that would be great for the NHL especially since the NBA already brings in more revenue than them so i think that they need the regular season and you know the the ice the the revenue that they can get before playoffs starts, um, especially since they're in the same they're in the same you know schedule as the NBA. That's fair. Would you then maybe consider okay let's okay let's stick with the eight teams, but instead of doing the the top three in each division plus two wild cards, would you do the top eight in each conference? Let's say. Well, they did do that. Yeah. Like, would you go be- back to that? Um. I think the division thing makes it, it it brought a cool factor when it first came in, right? Yeah. I think it's starting to fade now. Yeah. But it was like, oh, this is something different. This isn't just eight straight out teams, you know, per conference. Like, they, it's like, okay, now we got to fight for the division. And then, you know, like, we got to make the wild card if, you know, our division's too good, even though we're better than another team who's seated in their division. Um, so it brings the competition level up. But I, I, wouldn't, I don't think I could be mad at either format. Yeah, I, I think we can most certainly agree that it is time for a change because it, it is kind of getting a little bit old if i'm being honest i'm getting a little tired of seeing this the same uh, matchups i'd love to see somebody else knock toronto out of the playoffs other than the bruins um you know maybe uh, you get a team like tampa bay knock out knock out toronto or, or even you know someone from the metro penguins or capitals i know the Leafs, they beat the Capitals that one. Did the Leafs beat the Capitals that one year? The Capitals the Leafs, knocked them out. The Leafs lost uh, Game 7 to the Bruins last season. They played the Capitals a couple years back, though. Did they not in the playoffs? 
I mean, I don't watch the Leafs. I, I, I can <laughs> and the Canucks were garbage at that time anyway, so I probably wasn't watching hockey that uh, a couple of years ago that, this time around. Maybe the Capitals knocked them out. I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not really remembering things um, right. But regardless, I, I do think it is time for a change. Okay, so now we're going to move into the next part of our show, which is our mailbox. We open that up again for the second time now. And uh, we got... A good amount of questions. I wouldn't necessarily say they're hockey related, but um, some interesting talking points to say the least. So, uh, Dan, why don't you read off our first question? Yes. Yeah, so, um, one person asked our thoughts on Chips making the NHL. And Chips is a nickname for our last guest, Anthony DeTosto. Um, and I think you have a better chance of getting struck by lightning in the McDonald's <laughs> drive-thru than that. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, not, a, not a bad goalie, but uh, it's, uh, I think it's a little late for that, that dream to, uh, to come true for him. And we also had another question relating to Anthony DeTosto. This question comes in from uh, Michael and Burnaby. He asks, why did you have someone that couldn't speak English referring to Anthony DeTosto on the show? <laughs> this is uh this is a great question i think we support the esl community <laughs> no buddy uh you know what people there's a lot of mixed emotions on his episode because you know you either love him or you hate that guy and uh i i love him and i think he's a character and uh, uh i don't know it was a good interview and his his viewership uh is, is proven to do pretty well yeah his his uh his episode got quite a few listens and uh and he was a good good interview, had some good stories for us, and it was a good time. We had a good time recording that episode. Brandon from Burnaby is wondering um, our top five greatest movies, which I'm not a big movie guy, so this is a little tougher for me. I, I honestly am not either. Uh, maybe I'm a little bit bigger than you are. My list is kind of mixed. Uh best movie i've seen recently has to be ford vs ferrari that was a that was a great movie I'm, I'm actually a big racing guy for anyone who doesn't know that but that was a good movie and during this quarantine i've gotten into uh, the whole oceans uh series so i've watched oceans 11 and 12 both great movies and then gonna watch 13 soon and then uh another another two if i had to pick some would probably be borat and step Borat was good step brothers uh, is an all-time classic uh i'll go i'll go step brothers i'll go the watch the watch was a good one um i'm a big documentaries guy like i'll I'll watch a few of those but i don't know if those count so uh grown-ups another good one grown-ups is always a classic it's it's i think feel like grown-ups is like the first real funny movie that you watch as a kid you know what i'm saying like it's it's kind of like inappropriate, but it's not like you know stepbrothers or Borat inappropriate, you know. Yeah. Um. The interview was good. The interview was very good. Yeah. Uh. Oh, Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore was was good, but I don't put it in my top. No, five. I don't put it in my top five. But that one was good. That was that was another movie uh, that I watched. That was a good one too. I, I love that movie. Did I name four? I don't I know how four. many you named. Okay, Honestly, I'll try and get one more. I don't know if you've watched it, Scarface. I don't know why I didn't think Scarface. Scarface is a good movie too. It's, is that a scary movie? No, it's, okay. it's not a scary movie. I don't no. like it's about a drug dealer, uh, cocaine, and and, uh, and it's pretty good. Speaking on all that fun stuff, uh, Narcos, the series on Mexico, uh, on uh, Pablo Escobar in Colombia. Yeah, on on Netflix. My dad, very good. My dad liked that one. 
I haven't watched it. Um, what about uh, what was the the one I was thinking about? Now I can't remember. Trailer Park Boys. Trailer Park Boys is fantastic. If that that's counts, a, that's not a movie. It's not a movie, but oh, well, there are movies. There are Trailer Park. They're not movies. as good though. I watched no, one of them. Not. not not the same. No, it's not the same. Um, yeah, there was oh that other one with Biggie and Tupac, that unsolved one. Have you watched that one? Um, but I can just think of like Elf, like one yeah. I've seen like twenty <laughs> times. You know, Elf. Um, uh, anything with Will Ferrell and John C. Riley seems Talladega to be Nights. pretty good. Talladega Nights is good, but uh, we should probably move on because this is going to turn into a fast food uh, yeah. <laughs> debate. It's going to be one of the most yeah. debated things on this podcast. A North Burnaby fan is wondering what a cup win would do uh, and how it would feel for a fan and a player this year. You know, with the whole pause season and you know questionable uh nhl playoff format return or you know all that yeah i i don't know because you look at the way they've they're proposing the 2014 thing and it's still you still have your traditional like once you get past the first those few lower seed teams that play um you still have the traditional format so i don't know if it would feel any different to the players if anything it would be more i would think because it's there the, if a team from outside the top four whatever it is even though the top four are playing each other if a team from outside wins it's more games they've had to win to get there so i i think i think they've done it in a way it, it means exactly the same uh i think like david said it would be it would be the most vancouver thing if if this is how we won our first stanley cup um but it's up in the air because everybody's rested, everybody's healthy, and and it's really hard to say who. Now it's really anybody's game because everybody's got most of their players back. Yeah, well, I think regardless, right? Even it, I'm not taking anything away from Stanley Cup here. That's you know, and obviously an outstanding achievement. But everybody will remember it as the year that you know the NHL went on pause, and there was a lot of you know teams who had so-called momentum got killed, and this and that. Um, so I think regardless if uh, the season does continue and there is a winner claimed that even if, you know, it's a regular uh, best of seven series, um, you know, everything's normal except for this 2014 format, I think someone will always still say, you know, that was the year that the NHL went on pause and this and that could have happened. Yeah, I know I'll be saying that if the Leafs happen to win this year. Um, I don't think the Leafs deserve to win. Not a Leafs guy, in case you couldn't tell from the past few episodes. Yeah, um, so our last question that we're deciding to answer today is uh, when are you guys going to stop making episodes, which is uh, you can go to hell. <laughs> yeah, Luca and Burnaby, we know where you live, just so you know. Um, is that is that a little threatening? Is that Could I get in trouble for that? <laughs> no, it's fine because his, his podcast video media little stint there lasted about four weeks, so I think it's fine that... Uh, this is this is eight weeks for us. We've actually doubled up on him. So, but that wraps up our mailbox. A uh, couple things we want to do quickly before we end the show. Uh, obviously, huge shout out to all our listeners. Uh, we appreciate all of you for sure. Uh, most of them coming from up north here in Canada, and a few down in the states. But there's a couple listeners. I don't know if they're still listening to the show anymore, but. They popped up on our podcast page, and um, we got listeners in Thailand, in Germany, and in Germany. Yeah, 
So huge shout out to those guys. We appreciate it. Didn't think we'd be reaching that far. That's for sure. Well, remember when we did that, uh, that whole, we reached 25 new countries and territories and you, and you listed them out. Both those countries were not on that list, but I feel like this is, uh, this is an indirect, uh, you know, this happened because of that. So that was big news for all of our, all, everyone who said that wasn't. And we were very appreciative, like I said, of all our listeners. Uh, we were just shocked when we saw that we had a listener in Thailand. Uh, Germany a little bit less because German hockey's, you know, still not a small thing in Europe. Uh, but Thailand, I mean, that was a that was quite the shocker for me. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, but you know, we're grateful for all of our listeners, like you said mostly in Canada, um, I think a tenth in the States, and obviously in Germany and Thailand now we got uh, the odd listener. But that was, uh, at the end of the day, it was a great interview with Mark Coletta. Uh, we'd like to thank him for coming on again. Yeah, Ponis, any, any closing remarks? No, uh, like always, just check out our social media. Great interview with Mark Coletta. We thank him for coming in, and, uh, and yeah, that's it for me. Yeah, we'll be definitely running a poll next week, so uh, stay tuned for that, and we'll see you next Monday. She's a good girl, loves her mama, loves Jesus in America too. She's a good girl, it's crazy about Elvis, loves horses and her boyfriend too. It's a long day Living in Reseda There's a freeway Running through the yard And I'm a bad boy Cause I don't even miss her I'm a bad boy For breaking her heart